Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Changemakers with Claire McKenna, the podcast series talking to people at the forefront of change. But you should never underestimate the power of a conversation to shape the opinions we hold and influence the conversations we go on to have. We can all be part of the change process. My guest today is Paul Ryder. He's probably best known for bursting onto our TV screens on Ireland's Got Talent with his drag act. Since then, he's gone on to set up his own dance school, Proud Dance Academy. He still works as a choreographer, performer and TV presenter, mainly now with Ireland AM. In recent weeks, his face can be seen across the country on billboards, bus sides and advertising posters for Centra as part of their Choices Define Us campaign. There are many standards around mentioning brands in broadcast. I'm so trained in that way through my TV and radio work. There's only a certain number of mentions, etc. But here, I think it's important that we mention it lots of times as this is a nationwide supermarket brand and a man in drag at its centre. Looking fabulous, I might add, and the words attitude is a choice. As you'll hear in our interview, this image and message is one that would have helped Paul growing up and he's been contacted by so many people saying it sparked conversations with their kids about freedom to be whoever you want to be and express yourself however you see fit. This is incredibly positive change and I was delighted to get a chance to sit down with Paul and ask him everything about that IGT performance, Michelle Visage giving him the RuPaul Ryder name and how making his dad proud is at the centre of so many of his decisions. So Paul Ryder, you're welcome to Changemakers. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get into this incredible change that mm. has given me joy as I drive through Dublin City, let's go back a little bit because I'm fascinated to know what life was like for you growing up. Did you always have an idea that you'd like to be a, a performer? I came into it late in life. Like I know like a lot of my kind of peers and stuff when I started like kind of the stage school brat syndrome, uh, they'd all been doing it for like five or 10 years at that stage. Uh, I was like, in the middle of primary school and I kind of just was like I think it was when the Spice Girls came around is that really weird to say that the Spice Girls gave me life um, and I just kind of wanted to perform and I used to perform little shows in my like my mom's kitchen for my aunties and my uncles and then my mom was like okay I think we're going to like use this avenue and put you somewhere and, and let you kind of live your best life there um, and that's kind of where it kicked off I kind of then became a stage school brat and started that uh, that cycle and God, I'm still a stage crew brought at 34, so, you know. I love that you have referenced the Spice Girls because I think they were responsible for a whole lot because they were so different. Mm. 
they kind of broke down and I know social media has started to do that but up until then celebrities were kind of something that was up there mm-hmm. and inaccessible where they were really ordinary girls yeah. who just made it and all they ever said was you can be whatever you want to be and they were loud and leery and they shouted and screamed their message um, and I think that we don't really get that anymore the same way as like we did we did back then you know for people like for people like me who were growing up and knew I was different I always knew I was different I didn't know what the difference was I didn't know where it came from but because the Spice Girls were shouting about you know live your best life and you know do you and be who you want to be that to me was like a, a striking message to kind of say okay I know that sounds so gay cliche the Spice Girls made me who I am today they really yeah. did just to me kind of too. you know what I mean I'm so <laughs> glad we're talking about this that's a podcast in itself and now I think it's great that we're this woke society and we tackle the uncomfortable and we get everything out into the open but like now we'd be looking at the Spice Girls and we'd be like well why is posh posh I mean you don't have to have money to do well and why did Jerry Halliwell uh, did she pinch Prince Charles on the bum I don't know but you'd imagine that would get dissected to bits she'd be done for sexual harassment you you know know what I mean we just went with it back then Emma Bunton would be you know babyist because she was trying to become a baby like it just would all yeah sexualising children yeah and like I, I understand I understand that everyone has their own opinion and everyone you know has to put their their whatever way they see it they have to put it across but I feel like sometimes and I even feel like this bit in the LGBTQ plus community that sometimes we are too woke to just kind of relax and chill and just kind of go look everyone is going to have a different opinion and everyone is going to say a different things a different way and if you don't like it just ask them to change their terminology for you and we will do that we will become a more comfortable society but this whole thing of diving on somebody because of the way they've said it or because they have a view and an opinion we're not going to get anywhere we're just going to be running around in circles just fighting with each other yeah that really stresses me out sorry no and I believe in open conversation I just don't believe in cancel culture because how can we ever learn if we're not allowed to make mistakes but you said there that you felt different can you put that into words a little bit when that came about and how that felt I just always knew that I wasn't run of the mill kind of like the boys that I used to see in school or the boys that I used to see on the street. I was always surrounded by girls, which is a which is a very cliche gay thing to kind of latch yourself onto the gals so that you can kind of feel comfortable in yourself and comfortable in being a little bit more effeminate in yourself. Um, and it was as kind of time went on, as, as I met my, my stage school friends and, you know, you get into musical theatre and musical theatre for a lot of people is about the freaks and geeks of society. Do you know what I mean? You know, you're, you're the difference, you're the, you're the outcast of the normal, of the outcast of the norm. And I just kind of found myself being a lot more comfortable with them. And then, of course, you're introduced to, you know, gay people and, you, you know, you might meet a dance teacher who's openly gay and is flamboyant and you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, I love the fact that that person who gets to teach me once a week is so openly flamboyant. Back then, they were the only people who you saw kind of in that ilk. Um, and from there then, it's just kind of grown and becoming comfortable with yourself. But my masculinity was always, and still is at the age of 34, still is an issue for me. I still have a weirdness between my masculinity and my femininity, which is why I think my drag character is the way it is because I don't want to wear the wigs and I've always said this before but my drag character is neither female nor male it's just powerful because when I'm in drag I feel powerful um, and I don't want to conform to gender but you can call me whatever you like once you're paying me the check at the end of the day um, but it, it's just finding that middle ground is to be happy and to be comfortable what you're you're putting across but I still feel those differences today but I still often as Panty once said kind of check myself in certain situations depending on who I'm around or who might be around me or who I might feel comfortable with 
but I don't give near as many two shits as I used to. Sorry, can I say shit? Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't nearly give as many craps as what I used to care. I'm way more comfortable myself because I just feel like, like we said at the start, what's the point? And were these just pieces of the jigsaw that you were picking up along the way? Or was it a kind of a, a negative impact, this this feeling of, of difference? Or were you just cruising through life and going, oh, yeah, well, that's interesting. And I get on better here and I like girls or, you know. what? Yeah, I think all the way through primary school, I was celebrated as like a musical theatre kid because I got into doing like the, you know, the school plays that happen once a year. And they'd always give me the girl roles because I would be happy to do it. Like I played a Spice Girl, I played a witch, I played like, you know, all those different bits and bobs and was celebrated for being like star of the show because you took, the, took, took the, the audience by storm. Then you move into secondary school, which as we know is a war zone. Um, and that changed completely. And were you in mixed or? I was in an all boys, all boys. rugby school. Uh, so I was not only bullied by the students, I was bullied by some of the teachers who were obviously old school, kind of like rugby heads, you know, who were only used to that. And of course I had just kind of started to do bits and bobs with like TV and film and stuff. And they might've been an article in like the local paper and the teachers would, you know, see it and bring it in and you'd see them snigger, you'd see them laugh. And then like when you were playing football or playing rugby, whatever, they'd be like, you're not on the stage now, Ryder, come on, stop this and prancing about. Like prancing was used to describe me as a child. So no wonder I developed, you know, confidence, confidence issues with my masculinity and all that because it was pointed out by grown adults who were supposed to be my caregivers during the day, looking after my education. It got to fifth year and, um, my, my mother and father had been into the school, they'd been into the principal and said, the principal kind of said, oh, well, until we see actual damage to Paul, there's nothing we can do in, in this instance. And my mom and dad were like, whoa. And about a week later, I'll never forget it. I, my dad was driving me into school because I had refused to go that morning because I was so nervous and so like up the walls about the amount of bullying. And it was never, it was never physical, a little slap on the head here and there, which we all got, but it was the mental torture that kind of really just knocked me for six, which still sits with me today. I still think of, of that today. But my dad dropped me up to the school and he just he kind of pulled up outside and tears just started to roll down my eyes. And he said, if you don't want to go back in there, but you can promise me that you will make something of your life, he's like, I will drive off and you'll never have to see this building again and I said I promise and we drove off and still to this day my dad's been gone from this life eight years everything 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 I do I think about him and I go would that conversation stand up to what he's asked me to do and I'm so proud that I know he would be he would be so proud of me and so like up the walls and he was always like front and center at gay bars screaming for me at shows and stuff like that. So, and I've surpassed, I've not surpassed that, I've moved past even those expectations of him for me and I'm super thrilled and everything I do is with him in mind to go, how can you make him even more proud than what he might be sitting in that car? Do you know what I mean? And that's so amazing because I, I rewatched your Ireland's Got Talent oh piece God. last night <laughs> and you were talking a lot about him yeah. in it, yeah. that you always had the support of your family and, yeah. and not everybody has that. No. And, you know, that is definitely part of, of who you are. They they believed in you and they were behind yeah. you 110 percent. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed from from that angle. And even, you know, with my dad passing and stuff, the friends I've made and the family I have outside of my own family, like, you know, everyone's amazing. I'm, I'm so blessed to have that in life. And I am very aware that not everybody has that. Um, and I think that even doing this campaign at the minute with Centra for is such a huge thing, a part of that as well, because 
I'm on a billboard, I'm on a bus, I'm on a cinema screen. And if I had been 11 seeing that, I would have had the same feeling as I would have had meeting that dance teacher for the first time. The flamboyancy, the difference, the acceptance of that being in a national campaign would have made me go, oh, that's okay to be different. I can wear makeup. I can wear sparkly clothes. I can do X, Y, and Z. And it just be, it just be a part of my normal. Yeah. I mean, it's mainstream. It's you ma- say. hugely mainstream. I did, we like, you know, it's, it's just been absolutely crazy. And the messages I've had, my inbox has been flooded since the kind of the whole campaign came out in the last kind of couple of weeks. And I know it's about choices and choices define us. And it's about opening the conversation to have different conversations with different people about what we've gone through and about how life has made its turns and its and its roundabouts. So I think that I'm very proud of this and I'm very happy to have been the face, inverse, inverted commas, of, of this campaign. And when would you have first been introduced to drag as a, as a concept? I fell in love. This is so weird, right? P- people used to love, like, you know when you had your childhood films? Uh, some people liked... God, what would it be? like? Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz Chitty Bang Bang, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, all that sort of stuff. My favourite childhood film was a film called Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. And it was Patrick, Patrick Swayze, Swayze. Yes. Uh, John Leguizamo <laughs> and Wesley Snipes who had to dress up in drag and they were like these, these flamboyant gay characters and they had to travel across America and they had to enter this pageant and they went together. I have watched that more times than I've had hot dinners like genuinely that was my first introduction to drag and I remember just going that is amazing that's fabulous that's like unbelievable I couldn't get past it and then as the years go by you know drag just kind of came into my life a bit more you know RuPaul's Drag Race way before RuPaul's Drag Race was mainstream or anything like that way before everyone knew what the terminology was or what a wig was or all the rest of it um and then you just kind of get into the culture. My first, I was 16 when I danced at the Alternative Miss Ireland, which was run by Panty Bliss. And it was like a massive, huge competition that descended on the Olympia Theatre every Patrick's weekend. And we used to call it Gay Christmas. And you, it's, it was just this co- competition drag show that ran from like seven till like 12 o'clock at night. And it was just like the glitter, the glam, the gorgeousness and just being around your friends, your your allies, your 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 colleagues, all that was just unreal. I started dancing with that at 16 and kept working in it or upon it. So like as a background dancer or you'd come out? Oh no, I was a background dancer. Okay, I, but I always okay. I always ended up getting real good gigs though because, you know, there would be the contestants who'd have their backing dancers, but I was always dancing for somebody who'd won the previous year or was like being nominated or honored or something that year. So I always had like the, the good seats. Um, and I was 16 doing that and everyone thought I was 18, 19. And uh, from there, I just moved into gay culture. I started to work in the George and started to work for different drag queens and stuff like that. And I just kind of found my other little family and kind of was like oh my god this life is so spectacular it's so unbelievable there was nothing seedy about it there was nothing underground about it there was nothing dark about my life it was just me meeting a whole brand new set of people that I got to call and still call some of them my really close friends so it was the family outside of the family because so so many times people think oh you know gay they think seedy they think dark they think it's all a bit underground it wasn't it was just a lot of gay people having a really good bloody time oh god I hope they don't I mean there's nothing more joyful than yeah. gay bingo on a Sunday night. Think, exactly. The, and like gay, gay pride. Well, I think I love, I've been working for gay pride, for Dublin pride for a good couple of years now. And it's become so family orientated. Like when we go to Marion Square or Smithfield and we do like an, the after show, it's always families like, you know, moms, dads, boogies, kids celebrating, not just being gay, but just being like comfortable and, and f- 
like living together in life. I know that's so arty farty, but it's just how it feels now. I feel like we we really kind of come to such an amazing place that it we're overturning that look of how we think gay or you know pride is, and it's becoming more all round. Yeah, it's just a fully inclusive part of yes, society, and that's yes. exactly where it should be. And what is the history of, of of drag? I mean, why did it come about originally? I mean, is it more than just the glitz and the glam and, and a bit of fun? Well, I think it goes back to Danny LaRue, who I think was like the first ever drag queen, especially when it comes to Ireland. I know if you look at the likes of Mr. Pussy, um, Alan Amsby, he was like the first ever female supermodel who was actually a male doing massive campaigns for the likes of BMW and all these huge companies as a woman, but was a drag queen. Um, I don't know the full history. I would love to. I would love to actually find out more. I just know from where I started, and you know, seeing the likes of Panty Bliss, Shirley Temple Bar, Available Rev, from my age of like fifteen, sixteen, and then growing up into now, what is now a massive mainstream industry of drag, and it's outside of what is we think of drag is as wig and you know, b- big boobs and all the rest of it. It's what I'm doing. It's what a, a, a drag king is doing. There's just so many different outlets to it now and that's an amazing thing because it's an art form it's a it's a performance it's it's not just a man in a dress or a woman in a suit it's it's everything you want it to be and more I, I, it's cliche but RuPaul says we're all born naked and the rest is drag and that's exactly what what it is now and it's always been a part of of culture I mean even on UK television mm. we've had everyone from Lily Savage Paul O'Grady's one of their their biggest stars and even back when I was a kid yeah um there was always if you even went, went on holiday down in the entertainment in the evening quite often there, there's a drag act so you know it's always been there and seen as fun flamboyant entertainment yeah absolutely I especially think like you know the likes of the the end of the pier drag that you see kind of on holidays and stuff like that that's a real good insight and we kind of take a joke about it and we kind of have a laugh about it but yeah we're I always say we're just big clowns we're just big massive clowns who get to play dress up for a living and you know make a career out of it if you're lucky enough to make a career out of it so when was RuPaul Ryder born like when did you pick who you were going to be and how did that whole transformation take place that was given the name was kind of coined to me by Michelle Visage really like in a, in a big kind of form of way when I did Ireland's Got Talent um, li- a few people had said to me oh god your name is Paul Ryder haha you should change it to RuPaul Ryder whereas I never really thought of it like that and then it was only when I went out on stage to do Ireland's Got Talent Michelle Visage kind of was like oh RuPaul Ryder and I was like oh okay and then it's kind of stuck um, and that was the character but like god like everybody you start from somewhere, you think you're gorgeous. And then as time progresses and time moves on, you build your craft, you build your skill. Um, but Ireland's Got Talent was a massive leg up for me. I'd always grafted in the background. I'd always I'd always tried to make stuff happen, but it was really hard. And then that just gave me a bit of a platform and a bit of a kick in the arse. I was tur- just turned 30. I'd come out of a horrid relationship and I wasn't being taken serious in drag because I wasn't wearing the wigs. I wasn't lip syncing. I wasn't doing the norm of drag. And I was just about to give up performing when I got a phone call from the team of Ireland's Got Talent. They were like, look, we saw you in Limerick at a gig. Would you be willing to come? Hung the phone up on them. I said, no, no, had no interest whatsoever. I'd just done the X Factor the year before and it was a horrible experience. Really, really hated it. Really felt kind of like exposed and really just didn't enjoy what the, the and did you go in in drag yeah to that? x-factor were like yeah come on and drag it'll be amazing you're gonna be da-da-da. and as we know with these shows 
they make a holy hames of you and like they literally just tear you asunder and make you feel like about teeny tiny small so when Ireland's got talent phoned I was like not in your Nelly am I getting up there three phone calls later from a fantastic producer called Jen she said we're not here to make a show of you we're here to celebrate you please please come to the audition went to the audition it's like no I'm not I'm not I'm not even gonna stay I'm gonna leave us halfway through did the audition and as they say the rest is history it, it's been it was probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life and they didn't important to say they didn't treat me the way the X Factor treated me they were very on side with me and they helped me a lot and they really kind of progressed me and stuff like that which is why I'm afraid I was I was not I wasn't happy to not to see it come back because it is a great platform but you have to do it you have to be ready to use your platform to yourself as you well know in this industry you're only as good as your last gig and you have to be willing to make something out of what you've done that time and from there then it's been touring the country touring the UK getting to do TV getting to do radio getting to do podcasts with amazing people this has just become life and all because of a bit of drag but you had already been going around the country with a, an act similar to yeah. that being Paul Ryder yeah doing the dancing doing the singing yeah just without the wig just without the wig without the nice travel and the nice hotel rooms <laughs> <laughs> and I did notice you had Paul Ryder on your necklace. I mean, you're very proud to use your own name, not to yeah. take on a different name. And I know you say Miss Michelle Visage gave you that. Yeah, I think when I started out, everybody was in a blonde wig and a silver dress and big boobs and was lip syncing to Britney Spears or to Whitney Houston. And I had a vocal. I knew I could kind of sing. I can hold a note like I'm not amazing, but I can hold a note and I always knew I could. So I was like, right, let's lean into this a little bit and just try and be a little bit different. Um, and God, the difference has kind of worked. I still sing live. I do a bit, the odd bit of lip syncing, but it stuck to me because when you talk about live vocal drag, my name always comes up and there's always people who are looking for not run of the mill drag for gigs and stuff like that because it get, gets a bit of a change. So I'm still booking jobs just purely because of that. And what was it like in some of the places you'd end up? Could there be four people who oh didn't really know what they had bought tickets for? Or like, what was the situation Listen, before Ireland's Got Talent? It's still the same sometimes now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Just because you're on the telly buns doesn't mean you're going to pack out stadiums like Jesus Christ. No, it was it was grand. It was fine. Like, it, it's like it, it's like anything you do. You're going to have some good. You're going to have some bad. Once you can take something away from it and make it something. Um, it's 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 all really relative like you're still going to play to four people you're still going to play to 400 people we recently played to we did mother block party last september and i think it played to about five thousand people that was unbelievable that was amazing those big ones that you play are absolutely phenomenal we did culture night a couple of years ago where i played with the rte orchestra and that was like mind-blowing it's all these different things that you get to do and you tick a box and you go holy shit i did that and even now with this with this new ad campaign that's out, I'm like, holy shit, I did that. Tick that box. And now we move to what's next and to try and pursue a, a new dream and to just reinvent and, and regroup, I suppose. And did you know Michelle Visage was on the judging panel when you signed up? Yeah, so she, I host a show called The Ringmaster's Drag Race, which is basically RuPaul's Drag Race in a live show in the Sugar Club. And I've been running it for 10 years. So we would get 10 brand new Irish queens. We'd put them on stage. We'd give them loads of different challenges and one would come out the winner and they'd win like a big prize. We were year five and we ended up getting Michelle Visage over from America to judge the show. So I'd met her and she was she was really, really nice and really, really sweet. And we kind of kept a touch, been in touch on Twitter. And when Ireland's Got Talent phoned, I was like, okay, Michelle's doing it. 
I wouldn't mind, you know, because, you know, she's doing it. So they're going to have some level of drag because I was kind of afraid it was going to be like walking in front of four Irish celebrity judges who were going to be like, what the hell is this? So when I knew Michelle was there, I was like, okay, good, go for it. Um, it's good that you'd broken the ice with her though, because I think if she was still on that pedestal, like, I don't think I could have done it to, you know, one of the most involved women yes. in drag in the world and you're going to come out and do your act. I and mean, look, why not? You should own it and do it, but it would be nerve wracking. I don't even think that if I hadn't, I think if I hadn't met her before, my journey wouldn't have gone as amazing as it did. I feel like having that little in with her helped the the, the process kind of move forward. Um, but walking in there and look, that woman has been so supportive. She messaged me recently about the central campaign. It was like, you're killing it. I'm so proud. Keep go, keep doing you. So, you know, she is as amazing as people think she is. She is like the salt of the earth. She's the mother of all drag. Well, the, maybe the stepmother of all drag. Sister. She'd probably she, prefer a sister. Yeah, let's say sister shit. Let's say sister. Hot she's babysitter. The, oh, she's the glamorous cousin <laughs> who only appears at Christmas and doesn't eat. Um, but she has actually, watching her on TV, me personally, she's kind of opened my eyes to that sort of... Uh, warm empathetic world of drag and how yeah. everybody is in this family that's really looking out for each other that goes beyond performance and entertainment i have a lot to thank her for because i know i said it earlier on that i was about to give up drag before ireland's got talent and even at that some of the comments that i used to get when, when i did igt were like oh yeah but you're not wearing a wig it's not really drag and then it was only for the fact that michelle went out on you know, bits of interviews and said, what Paul is doing is drag, what Panty's doing is drag. Drag has no label, has no this, has no the other. We need to celebrate all forms of drag in whatever form it comes. Then everyone was like, oh yeah, okay, Paul's doing drag. That's fine. Cause you know, Michelle Visage has said it and she's friends with RuPaul and that's, you know, that sort of thing. So I have a lot to kind of thank her for because maybe if she hadn't have kind of been so open, especially in Ireland where we only really found out about drag because Michelle Visage was here. We knew the gays knew drag. But maybe the whole mainstream, because my mother, when Michelle, when we did the interview, when we did the audition, my mom came out and was like, and what's her real name? And I was like, what do you mean? Well, she's in drag there. What's her real name? I was like, no, ma'am, Michelle's a real woman. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, right. And it took her six weeks to ask that question. Like I'd been to all the audition processes and I got to the semi-final. And then mom asked me, was Michelle Visage a real woman? I was like, no, no, yeah, ma'am. She has boobs. That's, That's they her. Are, they are her boobies. <laughs> so, you know, we're still learning. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. And did you feel you nailed it on the night? Because even watching it back, I remember seeing it on the telly yeah. and being like, whoa, who's this? What's this? You know, and, and watching it back, it's still holds the same and the four judges were loving it Denise Van Outen has given it socks I yeah. mean you went down a storm first audition was lovely because obviously you do two auditions you do your, your semi-final or you do your main audition in front of the judges and then you go to semi-finals um, first audition was great I involved my kids who were part of my dance group we all danced together it was lovely and then got to semi-finals where you, like, you got the big guns you got the real dancers you got the real the real uh, recording studio vocals in like all the good stuff that was that was phenomenal to me. I have now, I, I, I want to do more like that, like that live on screen TV, massive performance. Cause that still to this day is one of like the highlights. It's that box ticks again. Um, but I didn't get through to the final. So I didn't obviously do that well, but I think it was just because of they're making a TV show. They had to fit all the different demographic. And I've heard that I didn't get the wild card because they were missing something else from the final from the final 10 kind yeah. of say. And that's always the story in this gig, isn't it? There's always a myriad of reasons that it doesn't always come down to a lack of talent. Yeah. There's a video that went around of me watching the final because obviously I'd been tagged as the wild card and actually you're waiting on the Thursday night because you're going to get the phone call the Friday morning if you're the wild card and you're going to go into rehearsals and you'll go into rehearsals all that day and then you'll go out on the Saturday and you'll do the, the final. So I'd been told if you hear from us by 11 o'clock, you've got it. If you haven't, you know you haven't. But Jen, the producer I spoke about earlier on, she had said, I'm just going to send you a yes or a no because, you know, you're being teased so much as you're going to the final. I fell asleep at nine o'clock. And you know when you wake up and you think you're really drunk, you're like, oh my God, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I looked at my phone and there was this long message and I just knew and my heart sank. And I wouldn't have cared so much only for the fact that all the judges went to the press and said, Paul Ryder for the final, Paul Ryder for the final. Um, and it just didn't go my way and I sent her a tirade of an angry message and then I deleted it do you know when you oh, can good, delete on WhatsApp oh good good I was like no, oh, she, no, was a fr- oh no. she was a friend yeah, so it kind of yeah. didn't matter no delete it all get it out get and it out. delete oh yeah I, that's a big trick of mine now putting everything in the drafts whether it's a tweet or whether it's a response to somebody just put them in the goddamn drafts and then pause drafts. and think about it yeah um, and then the next day obviously I'd geared myself up like I was told have your bags packed have your costume ready your idea your track is ready so you're ready to go um, but I'd been built up, built up and then like got it knocked down. So I went to my friend's house in Ballyferma and we sat and we had like a little party. Now I was thrilled because I got mentioned so many times on the final by all the judges saying I was missed. But a friend has a video of me eating a pack of meanies like a depressed. <laughs> hitting the meanies. Hitting, hitting meanies. And his caption was, when you're supposed to be live to the nation, but you're sitting in Ballyferma eating meanies. And every time it appears on my, it appears on my memories every year. And I go, yeah, that wasn't a fun day. That wasn't a fun day. But now I look at my life and I go, you did it. You didn't need that. Yeah. It, everything, as Kelly Clarkson says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. And, and you I'm did do here, it. I'm sitting here as a, as, a, as a testament to that. Lots more to do, but really, really happy with what we've done so far. 
And tell me about your dance school, because that's something else I really noticed. Yeah. And it's probably because you've been a backing dancer so many times. Yeah. You were like, these are my kids. You know, they were very much part of the performance as you are. And I know your dance school means a lot to you. I love teaching. I've always taught. It was always the thing that brought me cash in. Um, because like I said, I went from stage school brought to teaching stage school. So I was teaching for stage schools up and down the country, having an absolute ball. And then when Ireland's Got Talent kind of started to kick off, I kind of went, I want my own. I want my own kids. I want my own brand of army because I was so busy teaching for other people that I never really got kind of got to focus the energy on my own. So with that, I said, right, I'm going to set up my own dance school. I stopped teaching for everybody else, took a massive risk and just went, try it. Opened up in Tala, which is where I'm originally from. And we called it Proud Dance Academy. Obviously proud being because, not just because I'm gay, but because I want my kids to be proud. And now... Like, it, they're my life. Those kids, I walk in to see those kids. I teach, there's about 80 to 100 kids in the school. And I'm there every single week. It's not a case of that I hire teachers to go in and take it in and I just rock in, take the money and leave. I'm there every single week. I love my kids from the littlest one who's three to the tallest one who's 21. Like, every decision I do or every everything I, everything I do, I want to make sure that, okay, would the kids be okay with this? If like if a parent was to see this, is a parent going to be comfortable with this to see this? So every decision you kind of make, I have them in mind. They've danced with me on stage at Dublin Pride. They're dancing with me again this year for Dublin Pride. And it's just giving back the, the bit of knowledge that I learned over the years as a businessman, as a dance teacher, as a big brother sort of kind of vibe. They can come to me with anything and a lot of the time they do. And it's still one of my proudest things to date is to be able to see those kids kind of take to the stage or, you know, watch them progress as dancers and watch them progress as performers. Uh, yeah, I'm obsessed. We're in, our we're in our fifth year now this year. And I think sometimes with everything to do with kids, we want them to be the best yeah. and it's only the good dancers, but it's just a place to go to yeah. be free, isn't it? And express yourself. I'm not out to create the next Billy Elliot. I'm not out to create, you know, the next me or anything like that. All I want to do is offer them a safe space to dance, to be themselves, to enjoy themselves. Because I remember how I felt going into dancing every week. Every Wednesday, my mom would bring me up to Finlayers Church, just off the top of O'Connell Street. And the moment you walk through the big double doors, I could be who I wanted to be. I could say what I wanted and I want my kids to feel that exact same feeling when they when they come into our classes. They have a little hour a week on a Thursday just to escape it all, enjoy in whatever form they want, get to perform in front of the mirror, get to perform in front of me. And like I said, give me, give them back the knowledge that I got to learn. And whether they want to take it on board and become dancers, do it. I'll help you any which way. If you want to be, go, go be a hairdresser and you're just here for the crack, stick around, hon, because the crack is gas. Because I think we forget that just moving your body is just so important for yeah. us to be free. And people think you have to look a certain way, have a certain level of talent, be a certain person, and you don't. You don't. I think it's about expression. I think it's just about expressing yourself in whatever, in whatever way possible. And just getting to be a part of a team. Because like I said earlier, a lot of the time the stage school kids are the freaks and geeks of traditional school. So in that instance, we make sure that everybody feels the same, that all the kids feel equal, that nobody feels more important than the other. Um, because I feel like that's important because school is such a hierarchy of, you know, sports or whatever to whatever to whatever. Whereas I just want everyone to feel, feel the same and just to enjoy what they're doing. There's a dance school local to me and, and their kids put together a video 
sort of appealing to the government during some of the restrictions to say, look, yeah. we'll abide by, because I mean, look, ultimately oh, people was... were trying to protect public health. Let's just put that out there. But things would change, wouldn't they? So they'd say, heartbreaking. you know, put the stickers down, everyone be two metres and then something else would change. And when the kids kind of spoke to the camera about what dance meant to them and what they were missing out on. It was so much more than just learning steps to a song. What the most frustrating for me thing was, was that they could still go and play sports. I had no source of income because of what was happening. Yet I could wander to the park on my run for my 5K to get my bit of energy and to get my bit of exercise. And I would see sports happening outdoors and it'd be football where they'd be like together and they'd be like kicking a ball and they'd be moving back and forth and that broke my heart because the amount of times I had to close my school to reopen it again and the amount of times I had to spend money to reignite what was there already or we might have booked people for five weeks and they'd have paid five weeks of classes we might have got two weeks out of it I still had to honour the other three weeks and that was costing me a fortune the government were doing nothing about it I didn't agree with the storming of the doll to get your message across I didn't feel like it was beneficial so I wasn't a part of it I understood that people wanted to get a message across but don't storm the doll when there's nobody there do you know what I mean I wanted them to kind of just say it in a different way it didn't work in the end at one point they offered us back just before Christmas for like two weeks and then it ended up shutting the whole country down they knew exactly what they were doing they were never on our side they were never on, on the art side or performance side it was always to do with sports it was always to do with gar or football and we still live in that society that's what I mean performance of the freaks and geeks of, of this country and we're still that and we still feel like that I'm just so goddamn happy to see theatre come back to life to see stagecoach come back to life I don't care if you're in an Amdram production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show in a room for four people once you're living your best life and getting to do what you want to do amazing and also the pandemic brought out people who didn't get to perform or had never performed and said oh I'll take a Zoom class now I'll do a bit of singing or a bit of dancing on the Zoom and are now fully fledged gigs like doing loads of, loads of stuff that's amazing to see do you know what I mean it was just such a hard time that's actually brought up a lot of PTSD actually by the way you mentioned yeah. that I'm like putting the stickers on the ground don't need to be sticker. closed I had more regulations than a goddamn shopping centre yet I still had to close my school time and time again we had one way in one way out systems nobody there was no touch points there was nothing everyone had their own box yet I still like we spent money on ventilation systems to bring it in yet I still had to close the school and lost my income again and again and again but it's back oh it's back it's back more than ever and it's it's oh it's bloody brilliant like each time we go past something like I can't wait to do panto again this Christmas and not have the have the fear of shutting down or you know go on tour I'm going on tour of the UK in October I can't wait to have that and not have to see you know every fourth person in the audience sitting in a chair these are the sort of beautiful moments that every time it happens you kind of go oh yeah that's lovely do you know what I mean yeah completely oh it's beautiful and I forgot about Panto I mean Panto there's always but they, we say a dame is that considered different I'm not a drag? dame yeah. no oh, you're not yeah. a dame you're not a dame I'm not a dame my it's... kids were mad about you when we went to see the Panto and I think that that's where we've progressed too is that I can do that and just be a weird different character and when somebody says to mammy or daddy mammy what is sparkles a boy or a girl mammy can just turn around and go sparkles is whoever they want to be they don't have to be a boy or a girl sparkles can be a man a woman a different that's the sort of progressive message that we're dealing with and you don't have to bog it down by no sparkles is a drag queen now who's really a fella but dressed kind of like a woman and let's sit down and have a big discussion let's about discuss it this. let's not discuss <laughs> it let's just enjoy the goddamn show do you yeah, know what let's I mean? just throw it in there sparkles is whoever sparkles wants to be and i think that that's a big message for for parents is you know 
we've had a lot of weirdness since the pandemic has kind of started to lift and a lot of dark times and to I always kind of put it back to parents because they're the ones who are sparking the conversations with kids. Suzanne Kane, who you know is a good friend of mine, she's um, a radio DJ and a, she's a broadcaster. She only messaged me the other day to say that her young son Ushin had saw the the billboard for Centra and was like, um, and and is Paul is 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 Paul a man or a woman? And she was kind of given the whole story and said about gay and Suzanne and Ushin was like, what's gay? Well, Paul wants to marry a man and Ushin's like six or seven. And he was trying to get this conversation around and to kind of open that, open that avenue of, of, of chat. And Suzanne was just so open to be able to say what it was. Whereas even back when I was a kid, if two men kissed on telly, my dad would turn it off. Not to be rude or anything, just because it wasn't the norm, if you know what I mean. And for parents like Suzanne and, you know, a lot of my friends who can open these conversations to kids, I don't actually think people realize what they're doing for this, for this life because you're sending your kids out into the out into the world by saying difference is good we celebrate everybody until they're mean to us or until they've done something wrong and that's what's going to change society and change homophobia you know all these different things that we've been dealing with in the last kind of couple of months that maybe it knocked us back during the pandemic if that makes sense well i think it's a huge deal i mean obviously we know each other through ireland am yeah. um and i i wanted to say as well i i think you have achieved something that not many can do that you can be Paul Ryder and mm. you can be RuPaul Ryder like yeah. you know okay Rory and Panty Bliss have managed to do it mm -hmm. mainly through advocacy work and activism but he's managed to do it um likewise I mentioned him earlier Paul O'Grady and Lily Savage but yes. it's 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 very few that 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 can do that that you can be a reporter on Ireland AM heading off to Tato Park I saw you up uh -huh. there <laughs> and do whatever you know and then do your 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 drag act and then be in panto and I think that that's where I when I said earlier on about all the decisions I made with the kids everything I do I think okay well would the kids be okay with this because if the kids are okay with it it's more mainstream and I can still to still do those things um like be on stage in a gay bar one day and then be doing something with Arnold AM the next day or you know that's important to me. That's that's so important to me to make sure that I make the right decisions in all aspects of life so that I can continue this career in so many different facets because I always want to progress. I never want to be sitting on my hands. I always want to be doing something different and challenging myself because you get so comfortable and you get too kind of too bogged down with something that it doesn't kind of open your open your eyes. I still want to learn. I want to learn how to produce this podcast. I want to learn how to make that chair. I want to learn everything so that I can really just keep my mind flowing and never be bored because boredom will set me off. And the collabs are huge, really, aren't they? Because we, we now think about hashtag collab as just people making a book on yeah. social media, which it is. And I yeah. think most of the time we're just envious of the ones that are making the big, the big, the big dollar. Yeah. But the fact of you representing Glamdoll or Victoria's Secret and now Centra, I mean, th these are huge messages. I don't know where we'd be without the people that stand on the podium like Panty Bliss saying that on that piece that went everywhere. everywhere. That's so important. But so are the little things and the pictures and what that represents. Yeah, when Centra came to me with this, which is obviously the hashtag choices define us, I kind of had said, right well is this just somebody making a book 
you know, from the situation. And they were like, no, 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 we've sat down. They had sent their research out. The statistics are there about, you know, what we think, what we've gone through, what we're going through, what we will go through in the future. We really want to question people, not just our consumers um, of like their 481 stores or whatever it is. They really want to kind of like make us think the bigger picture. And as the time went on, I kind of said to myself, oh my God, this is going to be big. This is going to be huge. And they're going to use me as, as the poster boy. And it was only when we did the launch last week and we sat and we chatted through some of the facts and figures. And I kind of went, this is unbelievable that it is a marketing tool. Absolutely, it's a marketing tool because what would be a business without their marketing? But it's marketing that's making you be innovative and sit down and read research that the guys at Centre have done and go, oh, I didn't know about this or I didn't know about that. It's talking about, you know, one of the one of the figures talks about how a certain percentage of people don't want to go by government rule, that they want to live by their own rule, that they want to have a more, you know, progressive and kind of away from government rule, especially after what we've been through with the pandemic and we all hated the government at some point. We all cursed Michal Martin or we cursed uh, Leo Varadkar at some point. And it's opening those questions so we can have a bigger conversation so that we can get rid of the the bad from the world and we're never all going to get rid of it completely. Um, but it's just about having an open conversation and listening to one another and not just shooting it down and being like, that's wrong because he's in, in a dress or all these sorts of weird things that we we get too bogged down by. And like I said earlier, that happens in the LGBTQ plus community. I got tore asunder on Twitter two days ago from a, a, a trans woman who said I was being transphobic by doing the advert for Centra. And I'm like, but but don't slate me on Twitter. DM me and tell me your side of the story. And I'll listen and we can have that conversation. This is what this whole campaign is about, just opening up the conversation for, for, for bigger and better and to be able to be progressive as we move forward. But when I saw it um, for the first time, and it's everywhere, isn't it everywhere? Oh my God. I was in Tullamore, right? I was in Tullamore. <laughs> in a hotel doing a gig for, for the Midlands LGBTQ plus project and I was putting my makeup on and all of a sudden I got a Facebook notification. It was like, so-and-so has tagged you in a picture. I was like, oh, here we go. This is probably me locked or something a couple of weeks back. And I looked, it was me on the side of a bus. I didn't know it was going onto the side of the bus. All I knew was that I filmed a TV advert. Didn't know anything about pictures. Didn't know anything about billboards. Didn't know anything about buses. So as it kind of started to progress, I was like, oh my God, by the time I'd done the gig on the Saturday, I'd seen billboards, I'd seen TV, I'd seen all the rest of it. And I was just bowled away. I could not get over it. And the tagline is attitude is choice, isn't it? Or choice is attitude. Which attitude is choice. But then you've also got other parts of the campaign, which is like respect is choice. Um, there's, there's different advocates to it. So it's all about like attitude, respect, all those kind of keywords that really strike up conversations. You know, Sandra and the marketing team are very clever to... If they're going to do this, they're going to do it right. And they chose the right avenues to really kind of make us make us think and make us have conversation. And I'm I'm so excited because there's much more of a journey to come with this campaign to really open up conversation and open up just different views and different ideas. And I just really thought what I took from it, and I suppose anybody can take whatever they want from it, mm. that it was choice as in people are free to live their life however they see fit and it was very much celebrating you you look incredible thank you and it's just normal it's just on the bus it's on the billboards it's everywhere it's everywhere and you know yes we want to celebrate it, it actually gave me chills and I, I i was so happy to see it one of the one of the most amazing things is getting messages from mothers who are saying because of your billboard we got to have an open conversation about 
why you were wearing makeup, why you were wearing a dress, why you were doing this, this and this. Another one kind of comes in and says, I'm so glad it wasn't a rugby star. Now there's nothing wrong with rugby or there's nothing wrong with rugby stars, you know, from doing their thing. But our, the campaign we're doing at the moment sends a different message. You've just said it gave you shivers. That's the sort of thing I want to, that's the sort of thing I want to like bottle and really, really make sure that this campaign really hits home for all different reasons. That attitude is choice, respect is choice. It's all about your choices and you can choose to live whatever way you want to live and just be comfortable and be happy. I know I'm so airy fairy. I sound so like, oh my God, let's not live in a really nice place. I'm totally on that vibe as well. It must be the Spice Girls. It's definitely the Spice Girls. I'm telling you. <laughs> we can blame them for everything. It's, it's Melby. And I know your dad has been at the center of so many of the things because of that conversation in the car. I mean, there's no doubt he would be proud as I'm sure all your family yeah. and friends are. Are you proud of Paul Ryder? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, of course. God, that hit me hard. Jesus, I've never thought about that. I just do it to do it. I do it to keep progressing. I do it to, I do it for the, for the love of what I do. Um, I think, like I said, I've never thought about, that's so weird. I've never thought about my proud of myself. I've always just done it to make sure that I'm at the forefront and I'm trying to make other people proud. But God, yeah, I am. I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud that I can adapt to different situations and I've, I've learned a lot from people who've come before me and from, you know, I learned, people always say to me, who's your inspiration? And I always say, I take inspiration from everything. I'll take inspiration from you now as I walk away from this conversation. I will take inspiration from somebody I might meet at a shop or somebody I might work with for 15, 20 minutes because instead of one person being my inspiration, I would rather have a whole heap of knowledge, you know, and lash it all in there so I can make something else of my life. But uh, yeah, to answer your question now, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm actually goddamn proud. Good. Myself. Well, you should be. And <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do next. But I do hope it's that, that you It's that typical Irish thing, though. We're like, ah, sure. we're, ah, it's, not it's, it's just this billboard. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's huge. It's really huge. And it's really special. And it's, it couldn't happen to a nicer person. Thank you. I can't wait to see what you do next. But also don't forget to stop every now and then and see how far you've come. That's been, the, are you the same? Can I ask you, are you the same? Since we since we lifted from the pandemic and everything, I just can't say no. It's not in my vocabulary to say no to a job. So I just keep working and working and working. And in the hope that one day I'll go, I have your day off now tomorrow. That's lovely. Yeah, well, that I, the, I think it's a meme that goes around saying it'll all settle down next week. Yeah. And then we die. <laughs> and then we die. <laughs> it'll all settle down next week. But That's look, what's happening. Thank you so much. Thank Paul you so Ryder. much. Thank you for listening to Changemakers. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love if you would take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast too. Take care. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.